Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, October 29th, and you are listening to a very spooky episode of Waypoint Radio, episode 198, the spooky number. It's it's Halloween this week, and I am your host. Uh, mm, There's not a good, like, spooky version of my name. Austin Centrist Walker. Walker. That would be the spookiest. I've been body doubled and replaced by a secretive NSA program. David Frum has a good point this week. Oh, God. Uh, I had I actually I almost voiced the worst possible take that I saw this weekend and I can't uh-huh. do it because it's too bad. So I'm going to move on. How how are y'all doing this spooky Halloween week? I'm good. I you know, I I've managed to watch remarkably most of the Halloween movies I committed myself to, both Halloween movies in the Halloween movie canon and Halloween movies around my October list. So nice, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm nice. feeling so good about that. Patrick Klepek also joining us, Danielle Riendo. Hi, I'm feeling very spooky. This is my favorite holiday, and it makes me very happy. It's a good one. Do I you... might march in the parade this year. Is there a Halloween parade? Yes. Oh. I did that. I didn't do it once, but I stumbled out into the remnants of it once. I used to have a job as a trademark researcher, uh, and that was probably the least healthy hours I've ever kept in my life. I used to, I was like working 12 hour days, five days a week. Um, well, that's like, shocking. I, right? Yeah, it doesn't uh, surprise any no, of us. No, it was like too. worse than I'd ever been. It's like truly, I don't, oh, here's the real thing. I was just bad at the job. Like I was, uh-huh. this was not, oh, I'm going to be the best. I was like, if I don't, if I'm not here until 10 p.m., I'm not going to get everything I need to get done, done. And so on Halloween, I was there alone in the office until like 10 or 11 p.m. Ooh, and spooky. Very that spooky. is a ghost story. This was like, yeah, right? This was 2007, 2008. It's 2007, I want to say. Um, no, it was 2008. And I was extremely still on a Bioshock kick because it was a decade ago. Oh. And I was that dude. And so I was listening to the Bioshock soundtrack when I left. And so, like, Under the Sea or something was playing. And I wandered out into downtown Manhattan. And it was just, like, I was surrounded by people in costumes. <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> I'd forgotten it was Halloween, right? I was just working all day. I was, like, oh, shit. Like, something happened while I was working. The apocalypse hit. The, it's the purge, baby. Uh, and, and it was a very, it was a good, like, three minutes. Because it was, like, I was working near the waterfront, which there's not a lot of people there. But as I moved towards my subway, I started seeing more and more people in stranger and stranger costumes. It was, it was, a, it was a good time. It was a good time to be afraid. Rob Zachney, are you afraid of anything? I mean, constantly of everything. Uh, but mostly, I'm interested in pragmatic solutions. Rob, is this about, is this about subterfuge again? 
boy, there's a lot of there's a lot of angst and anxiety about that right now. Yeah, uh, if we're talking about like what made this weekend spooky, first of all, I don't feel like I had a weekend. Um, like, <laughs> like I did. Like I like it was a gorgeous fall weekend. I yeah. did a ton of like baking. Uh, total like it's cold enough now that like it doesn't heat up the house too badly yeah. to 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 do a bunch of cooking, and that was a lot of fun. But when I wasn't doing that, I had the stack of games I really wanted to be playing. Uh huh. But I kept being like, I'll start my gaming time after I, I check, check my subterfuge. Yep. Yeah. Oh. And, and you're so good we are, at this game, is the thing. We are both okay at this game, and what that actually means is we need, we spend time on it. I think there are other players in this game who do the thing you're saying, which is like, I'll just check in for five minutes. You don't do that. No, not this time. Not this time. I'm probably a little <laughs> more, um, like, this is the, we're playing with anonymous accounts this time. Like, mm-hmm. this one is live ammunition. Like, this is not for fun. This is not for play. <laughs> Like, we're wow. here to play some fucking subterfuge. Or I thought we were. Uh-huh. Uh, well, what's that mean? So, the thing is, subterfuge... And this is going to be... Like, I have not worked out how I feel about this. Yeah. There's a couple schools of thought about subterfuge. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, and I think this is expressed by uh, our, our, our mutual friend, uh, Salt of the Earth... Um, you, less evil Nick. Less, e- less evil Nick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nick is next. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, to evil Nick, Nick Capazzoli. Not also. Capo. Yeah. Yeah, Capo is chaotic evil. Like, uh, <laughs> so, like, bad Nick, definitely. Mm-hmm. But the thing about a game like Subterfuge, and this is true of a lot of, like, competitive, uh, like, strategy games or multiplayer games uh, that are sort of built on, like, betrayal mechanics, is how bought into the victory conditions is every player some games kind of require this right like if you like if you sit down at a board game for instance if you sit down to play poker and, everyone has to play to win poker right, right? otherwise the game doesn't really work you can't be if, like, if, I'm you're, helping, play if you're helping somebody across the table you're cheating right or if you sit down to play poker and you're like i'm gonna try to get all the diamonds <laughs> like no that's not what this game is you can't like i'm always going to bet every turn like no you can't that's not you're not gonna win that's you we all have to agree this is where like competitive games are actually secretly cooperative games because everyone agrees to play the same fucking game this and is like uh my friend in fantasy football who decided fuck it this year and just right. and just drafted uh 13 quarterbacks so he could just take <laughs> them all off the board oh my god that's a Amazing. It was extremely funny, and then he just started making trades afterwards. <laughs> sure, sure. That's very funny. So, uh, yeah, Rob, continue. Sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, subterfuge, like, there's only one winner per game, and it does give you a sop to, like, people who finish strong. So there's, like, a podium finish. And the one school of thought is that everyone should be playing for that top spot. Like, if you are not playing for the top spot, you are effectively, like, kind of breaking the dynamics of the game like everything that drives subterfuge is this idea that at any moment somebody could be about to backstab you and make their play uh for the number one position this is the theory of sub of subterfuge this is how the game was designed i have never in all the games i've played of subterfuge including this one seen that game of subterfuge never happens because that is a very hard way like it's easy to play, like, a betrayal game mechanic if you're sitting down and playing for, like, I don't know, two hours, three hours with a board game. You're playing Battlestar Subterfuge. Galactica or something like that. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, one, oh, I'm going to be the Cylon tonight. That's exciting. They're called Cylons, right? This is a yeah. huge... Yes, you're okay. correct. I've seen more of original Battlestar Galactica than new Battlestar Galactica, oh and that is a serious fault That's in my upsetting. life. <laughs> I know. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'm sorry. I'm but, trying to delete it. But, yeah, so anyway, so... <laughs> 
the thing is, like, subterfuge goes on and on, and people don't want to feel like shit for days. I don't want to feel like shit for days, but I want to win, so I'm willing to. <laughs> but a lot of people get in there, <clears throat> and after the first, like, moves are made, they start to realize, like, I'm not sure I want to... I'm not sure I'm in this. Like, I'm not sure I want to be doing this. This feels this feels weird. Or they're simply not that invested in winning that spot. They're not going to be like living on their phone trying to like conspire and connive. And so every game of subterfuge <sighs> has involved people playing suboptimally because they're trying to fulfill other goals specific to themselves. And that throws the game into a little bit of chaos. But the other school of thought is part of subterfuge is recognizing and anticipating what yeah. do people actually want? What what are they playing for? And building that into your calculations, like understanding motivation. But it gets pretty weird when you do have to understand, like in this deeply competitive, betrayal-driven game, there are people who don't actually want to do any of that right. and just want to have a nice time. They're like, oh, oh I'm going to play and I'll make a friend and we'll just hang out over here in this part of the city. Or the other thing that can happen is like, for instance, over the weekend I tweeted that there is a war happening in this game of subterfuge, and because it's a game where you don't have perfect information, there's like a big fog of war outside of your holdings. Like, there's a war going on that I don't know shit about. There are two There are two sides that I can't see on my map. Um, like just, I can see just the edge of one of them, um, and I can't see the other one at all. And my understanding is they're like they've been going at it for three days now, and I have not. I have no idea what what's happening are there. They? Uh, I believe I believe so, based on the fact that my border emptied of units, and I took advantage of that because that person thought that their border with me was safe. They were wrong, um, right? But like the thing that you were getting at is there are definitely players who want from this for everyone to be all the way in, to be hyper conniving, hyper like you described it as just like a sociopathic backstabbers, right? Like that's what some people megalomaniacal. Think. Like it had to be this combination of traits. Yes, yes. it's like. Everyone is constantly daggers out. Uh, and there are other players who just want to, like, who want to play it as if it's just an RTS and it's just about moving units around and not at all about conniving and, and uh, diplomacy and strategy in terms of psychologically reading your opponents or your your, your rivals and, and trying to play them against each other and et cetera. And I, I definitely fall somewhere in the middle, um, and I think the game is pretty healthy for me in that way, which is nice. Danielle. Can I ask you a question? Always. Somebody who's, I've never played this game. Yeah. I can see myself playing this game and getting so into it, getting so into the role-playing aspect that it would bleed into not only my real life in terms of waking up at 3 a.m. and doing something, but, like, actively trying to get an opponent, like, in real life. Yeah. Under the influence of something and, like, try to get them to spill information. Is this a thing that happens? Like, yeah. Like, say your friend is at a party and you're like, have a oh, beer. yeah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, does this happen? I mean, I think it's probably, it happens in a conversational sense. Like, Rob and I have exchanged information. Things have happened in the game where are like, holy shit, what is Blank doing? Right? And part of that is honest and real. Because you are you are surprised by what happened. But it would also be a good thing if you were able to, like, get a little extra info out in that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, okay. There's, it instrumentalizes interaction in a way that can be that can be scary <laughs> believe it or not spooky it's yeah. I'm, am i talking to this person because i have genuine interest in in what they're going to say or because they can give me information that i can't obtain by myself Ooh. Oh. uh yeah that's it's well, weird and, and the real hell of subterfuge is that you were doing both and right. that is the right. uncomfortable thing about subterfuge and this is why the game leaves me feeling like i need the longest hottest shower like in world <laughs> history is that in subterfuge, you get really comfortable, you or 
you don't get comfortable with it, but you start to understand how you can have both good motivations. There are also corrupt motivations yeah. simultaneously, oh. and those mm. live side by side. And the other thing is this. You may realize that that echoes other ways you behaved in your life. Other, like all those things where like you want you do something nice to somebody, like for somebody, but also like you kind of wanted a little credit for that, right? You wanted oh, like shit. you wanted them to owe you one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those two, but like you tell yourself like, oh, I'm a good like I just did that. I want to do do a solid for this person. But you knew on some level that also you 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 would have a marker at that point. Subterfuge puts that front and center. That like. Subterfuge like puts that transactional nature of human relationships front and center and says, well, everything is both. Like you're never just doing a nice thing. You're always doing a nice thing with an angle. Mm-hmm. And the thing that sucks about subterfuge is as you begin to like play it, you start to wonder like, is this just me? Like, yeah. is this how I roll? And I don't think it is. But when I play subterfuge, I start to wonder. Yeah. And it starts to like recast like subterfuge makes me think about shitty things in my past and like <laughs> ugly like you know career like make or break moments that I that I've had. Uh and subterfuge like makes me relive that shit. Yeah, no, it's I am I, the thing that I that I tweeted last night is that I suspect every subterfuge game has a point at which the arc of the game mirrors some arc in your life. And for me, it is being, it is saying yes all the time. It is like someone saying, hey, could you do this? And me going like, okay, if I say yes, how can I spin that to be, a, I can, I see that, that request and I go, okay, is there a way for me to help them with this thing in a way that helps me also? But, but yeah, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I can, if I move to the, okay, that'll be outside of the sonar range of so-and-so, and then or I can gift them this, and then, okay, where I can, I can, I can distract by pulling up over here. And what, I, what has ended up happening in this game is I have, honestly, no, none of my fronts are secure at this point. And it, on paper, the last two days, I have been number one, number two, number three, somewhere in there, pretty consistently. <clears throat> like, wow, look at how well this this player is doing. <clears throat> but the response has now been the edges are crumbling. <clears throat> the walls are falling in. The the fact that I extended myself so far is 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 coming home to roost because I can't, you know, I, I can't re- react very quickly. I can't react. Uh, I don't have a lot of flexibility in, in how I want to do stuff. I have to. I, the, the structure that I've built for my life has taken over the, the possibility space and has limited what I can do. So... In my case, yes. Yes. Yeah. Subterfuge is a pretty useful psychological profiling tool. Yep. It's um, too real. We'll be done soon. No, we won't. We just entered the <laughs> mid-game. Someone just op- – someone – my- the top of our screen now says, at current mining rate, Brown will win in 18.1 days. It will not take 18 days, but we've just entered the mid-game kind of. It'll probably be over by this time next week, I fucking hope. Rob and I are going to start doing some diaries now that it's late enough in the game that we can – we can do that without kind of showing our own hands, you know? Um, so so look forward to those this week. Any other spooky games? I'm playing a spooky game. Oh, yeah? What are you playing? I'm playing a game. It came out last month, I think. It's called Stay. S-T-A-Y. From, S-T-A-Y, yes. Cool. It's from the App Normals team. Uh, it's published by P-Cube. Those are the people who made it and published it. That's <laughs> what I know about that. Okay. I don't know anything else that App Normals did, so I'm sorry. Uh, but it's a really cool little thriller. So, uh, well, it came out on PS4 last month, so I'm not sure 
it may have been out earlier in the year uh, on Steam. Uh, but what it is, is a cool little sort of pixel art thriller. It's a little bit, a little bit Telltale style adventure with uh, a mm -hmm. much more limited scope. So you are on the other end of a computer. There's a little guy, his name is Quinn. He has been knocked out and he has awoken in like a dark room that has a computer. And that's it. And that's all you know. And you are sort of the lifeline on the other side. You don't have perfect information. Mm. You have no idea what happened to him. He has no idea what happened to him. And you're both kind of trying to figure it out together. So it's sort of you just being the the other, other side of the screen. And uh, sometimes you take control of Quinn and you do puzzles, like in the room. Like, oh, you know, you can direct him to scratch the wallpaper and maybe he'll find a clue or maybe he'll find something to do and there'll be a little, you know, puzzle associated with that sort of thing. But otherwise, you're just sort of making dialogue decisions and, you know, there's like a little... It doesn't say Quinn will remember that, but there's yeah. it's basically like a that kind of style of thing is going on. Uh, I'm three chapters in so far, I think, so I'm not done yet with the game. Apparently, there are something like 19 rooms in the house. I'm still only like a few rooms in. Uh, it's very effective thus far in being a sort of like i wouldn't call it saw style but it is that sort of like a puzzle room and a creepy mystery is happening um mm -hmm. i could see it falling into a potential pitfall because quinn is uh, a self-described mm. terrible therapist like he's he is a therapist uh and he he says something like i could see a patient or two of mine doing something like this so there's there is a potential pitfall here for some Bad, crappy mental illness stuff, for sure. Uh, it has wow, sort of... horror handling mental illness. I know, right? Jeez, I... <laughs> I know. Oh, what a Can you imagine? revelation. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, so it's possible that it, it, it falls into some tropes. It hasn't yet. It's actually been really, really uh, kind of exciting. I sort of cozied up to it last night uh, because I've been trying to do this thing uh, last couple of weeks where I'm trying to play like smaller horror games, like really hmm. very, very small. Yeah, you, know, yeah. like a... you mentioned the Kitty Horror Show exactly. uh, collection from last week. Yeah, and I know Mo, our community, awesome community person, Mo was playing Paratopic this weekend. I sort of I need to play it stream. so bad. Oh, it's so good. I love Paratopic. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there this year. Yeah, it's it's worthwhile. Uh, it's like an hour long uh, and a very, very, very cool experience. Uh, it does really cool things with uh, jump cuts. That's a that's a thing Ooh, Paratopic does well. Cool. So yeah, Blink Day, it's cool. Yeah. I need you to spoil, like, if this happens, I need you to come back and spoil this, because I, I just want to know this. If it happens, if I've called this. Okay. okay. If you're some kind of jigsaw-type motherfucker in this, who, like, set this up and the whole game's uh, like, oh, like, this is the prey inside your little, you know, they think you're helping, but, like, really, you're torturing them, and you become, like, complicit in, like, the torture killing of this person... Just let me know, uh, okay. because like if seeing that like, this game looks cool, but yeah. if that's where it goes with the premise, like I don't think I need to see that turn. You're like good, I good. think I know yeah. what's up. Yeah, fair. I will let you know. I will uh, send you a subterfuge message. Yeah, and then you'll be able to figure out if I was trying to transactionally, you know, get something from you or not, or get Ooh. you to play the game or not play the game. There's many levels here. <laughs> Can I actually just say briefly? You say I'll send you a subterfuge message. One of the one of the conversations that popped up over the weekend in subterfuge was that for me, like, so everything Rob said about it being a stressful game, a hundred percent true. Also, I don't look at Twitter first thing in the morning anymore. I look at subterfuge, so it's already better for my mental health. It's just like, so much easier to care about submarines and drills and mines than it is to look at the fucking news and everyone's terrible takes before before like eleven a.m. Uh, so that has been a nice that has been a nice treat over the weekend. Very fair. Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah. So catch me there. Leaving Mastodon as 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 we decided in the in the in the subterfuge game. We're all just gonna live in subterfuge now. Just just join games randomly and hope we're in them. You know. Also, we'll be anonymous, <laughs> so there's no way for you to know if you're talking to me or not. Wow. You, you really tell. thought this one through, Austin. I can't oh, wait dude, for this new future. Didn't... Yeah, finally, we made it. No likes, though. No, no likes. It's a better platform, really, for discussion and uh, figuring out people's real intentions. So, God. Uh, anything else? Any other spooky stuff this week? Or are we? Are the rest of us just heads down in Red Dead Redemption 2? Yeah. The, yeah. The sp- yeah. I, okay. I had a spooky story that started out Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yeah? What was your I, spooky story? I came across... There was a man. and I With a I, data uh, cap. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Cuts. So, uh, you, know, you come across a lot of people in this game, you know, just like wandering the, 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 the plains, wandering the yeah. the, the mountains. And, uh, you know, you don't know what quite what's going to happen. And I've only played, you know, six or seven hours. And so there was a man and he was yelling. I'm like, I'm going to go see what's up with all this yelling. So I wander over and um, I get off my horse and he's like, he looks at me, goes, hey. And he starts to walk toward me. And then his horse kicks up and and bashes his face oh, in man. and the horse kills the man and then the horse runs away and i looted him and i left great that's scary <laughs> that's good that's, that's the good stuff was, right there was, it was so weird though like these play he's <gasps> dealing with his horse and his horse fucking kicked him in the face and it, it killed like hmm that's terrifying that's terrifying yeah. so yeah Nothing so moves I mean, but your chains <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm with I'm with horse. Good for you, horse. Hashtag I'm with horse. Um, wow. The, the the there's so many ways to talk about this game. I guess like first and foremost, I should say if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to our coverage of the labor issues uh, with this game and, and talk about the the initial like hundred hour work week comment from Dan Hauser or the follow up. Uh, uh, conversation that we had after Jason Schreier's uh, piece on the labor conditions across Rockstar's many studios. Go back and listen to that first. Like, oh, I, I don't think we have the time today to relitigate all the stuff we said, and I stand by everything we already said. So I would point there, and I want to say, but I do want to say that in playing it, I think I'm always caught in a moment of thinking about that stuff, or so often I'm thought of, of, of thinking, I'm caught thinking about that stuff. Um, and, and maybe no more than when the game succeeds for me. Uh, the, every time there's something like really cool happens, there is some part of me that's like seeing the, the, the hours put into it. Right. And wondering, oh, is this one of those things that had to be QA tested in, in a moment of, uh, uh, non-volunteer, uh, kind of a mandatory overtime? Is this one of those things that, uh, you know, was, was sent back to somebody a dozen times or it happens the other way too. You know, Jason Schreier's piece opens with that, that, that. Uh, anecdote about the black yeah. bars. Oh, that's the thing, dude. The, the black bars don't add anything. Don't add, it sucks it just, so I, bad. Just if anything, it actually takes me I out of the it. game. It I doesn't. It. it doesn't work in an IMAX effect. If I could where turn it's like, it off, I would turn it off. The thing is, I'll just say this about the black bars. Uh huh. These are not filmmakers who made this game. Yeah, I noticed, and it shows. Like the framing, like the idea that putting black bars on something and like gives you a, like a wider aspect ratio, and that makes it somehow more more cinematic. You have to use that frame. You have to yeah. compose that frame. And, like, first of all, there's just so much of this game. How much, how, like, how right. can you compose well, every like, single I, one of these sequences beautifully? Especially because they were already composed without the bars, and then you're editing yeah. those shots. Those shots weren't conceived of first first and foremost in that in that way. They shot those sequences. Then they had to go in and edit those sequences and reshoot them with, the, you know, presumably with the same basic structure. And, like, 
one doing that in a rush because it was towards the end of production means you're going to do it worse than if you've done it early on i, I would love to see the version of this game that just didn't have them and had whatever the original shots were um but regardless my my, my deeper point is that like i can tell you all sorts of f- uh, great stories from this game already i mean i think we'll get into our our, our issues with the game too for, for what it's worth i don't think it's like a, a i don't think it's a perfect game um uh, it, it doesn't stand up to me to like something like breath of the wild which completely floored me as a as a player i was you remember i came in just like glowing about that game but there are still moments in this that are doing the thing i love in games um i guess the thing that i should say is like i'm someone who in tabletop rpgs there was a, a moment in the in the near past where designers realized, and I'm, I'm being really reductive here, but realized that binary success and failure is really boring. Um, that, like, you roll the dice. Did you do it? Yes. Did you not do it? No. Is super, super dry. Because what happens is you go into a room and you look for clues, or you're trying to pick a lock, and you fail, and you go, okay, well, I guess we don't get to open that door. Uh, I guess you just don't get to know what's behind that door. Shrug. Um, and instead, now what, what a lot of great tabletop games do is they go, okay, well, there's a space for mixed success or, or, or partial success. Like where, okay, you open the door, but your lockpick lock pick breaks. You open the door, but you make noise, and the guard down the hall hears you and is going to rush over to, to investigate. It complicates things. And in, in this past year has been a lot of games that aren't great at comp- – not, not a lot, but a lot of the big AAA games, especially big open-world games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey – aren't interested in that partial success for me. Um, there are moments when they do, but by and large, those games have felt very frictionless. Uh, they're there for me to, like, succeed in. Um, Red Dead is there for me to fuck up in. Partially I'm fucking up because I think the controls are a disaster. Uh, I can, can, cannot remember what half the things do. Totally. Where, where I'm, did my satchel again? I'm How do I change there. my compass? I'm getting there, but it's, it's taken me 15, 10, 15 oh, so hours. But you're, you must be like 20 hours more. Into, maybe, like I'm maybe. six or seven hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm still being tutorialized things still also don't put that stuff in the upper left hand corner where it's easy to fucking miss it and you'll constantly be doing tutorial stuff while you're doing things in the game but the thing it does do well is things like so i had this moment when i was playing on friday where you know there like you said there are these open world moments where there's just people out in the world and so i i was going somewhere or another and i saw okay no what what i'd done is i'd done this series of lone shark quests uh, which happened early on to introduce you to the taking care of the camp stuff. And I, I had like just come back from a really rough one where I, you know, they are framed as being negative. They are framed as Arthur, like being the strong man for this loan shark and who's part of your crew. And in Arthur's journal, he's like writing about how awkward it makes him feel and bad. And like, he's, he's hurting people who are already on the, on the outs, their recent arrivals, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think that stuff mostly hits. I think a lot of this, a lot of the story stuff is is mixed. But I think the the Lone Shark stuff worked for me. And the so I was just like, man, I feel like an asshole. Like I just beat up this poor farmer who like, has nothing, and like couldn't even give me shit. So I'm gonna fuck off, and maybe I'll try to do good. And so I I rolled up on this this uh, kind of like overturned stage uh, stage stage stagecoach stage wagon. That's not uh, stagecoach that had two corpses in it and a dude who was looting those corpses. And I was like, hey, partner, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And he was like, this isn't your business. Get out of here. And I was like, I think it's my business now. And pulled a gun on him. And he pulled a gun on me. And then I shot him. And I'm like, all right, well, whew, did, did some good. Now let me go loot this guy because, <laughs> of course. So I go to loot him. And then someone else runs over and is like, oh, no, I got to go tell the sheriff about this and, like, starts, like, riding away really quick. And I turn and target them and I yell, like, there's, like, a stop witness thing. 
and Arthur is like, and again, this goes to show the like the amount of labor that goes into making something like this. He goes like, no, you don't understand. The thing that ha- I, I wasn't involved in the killings, uh, like very specific dialogue. Contextually, that Arthur's trying to get himself off the hook. Uh, off the hook, exactly, exactly. That's really neat. It's really neat. So I start chasing after this guy. And I on foot or on horse. I start on on foot, and I'm shooting in the air to get him to stop. He is not stopping. Oh my god! I call my horse. Will that work? Yeah, Can yeah, you yeah. Just shoot totally. The... If you hit, oh, so again in the game. If you yeah, <laughs> if you target somebody with a gun out and then hit up on the D pad and then sh- hit up on the D pad, you aim your gun up. Oh right. And then that triggers like a a like stop in your place, asshole type yeah. thing. So then I call my horse. I chase him down. I lasso him and pull him off the horse, but I. Guess I pull him off the horse in a way that kills him. Just as another <laughs> oh, no. pair of sta- another stagecoach is coming past, and they see me, and they are going into a direction I've never seen before, and they're like, "We got to get out of here. We got to go tell the cops or whatever the lawmen." So I'm like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck." Now fuck, you got to cross fuck. off an entire stage's worth of people. Well, so it's two people, and they're in like a. It's a stagecoach is probably it's a wagon. This is definitely more of a wagon, and it's two. It's like I, I don't know. It's two friends. It's two dudes who are on this thing. Maybe they're maybe they're lovers. Who could say? They they seem to carry each other. A lot because I chase them down. I'm like, stop, get you, stop what you're doing right now. And I cannot get close enough to lasso them because they have rifles. And one of them is like lining up shots and shooting at me. So I'm probably like, man, fuck it. And I shoot that one. And the other one like pulls to a stop. And the guy gets out the car. Uh, and I pull up next to him, like, stop right now. And he gets off the, the wagon and he's like, it's fine. I'm like, okay, it's okay, 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 okay. I've already lost so much. And I'm oh. like, get out of here. I'm not going to get out of here. So I'm like, okay, fuck, where the hell am I? And I realize I'm like in a swamp now. I spent the whole part of this game previously in this like beautiful heartland area, the area you're probably in, Patrick, the kind of like early mm-hmm. game. Right, not the yeah. not the intro, but the early game is this like kind of rolling green hills and forests and you know, lakes and uh, a, a river that splits things apart and like it's just it's like the the American like if you told Heartland. me Montana, I would just sort of think something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's really, really pretty. And now I was in this, like, murky swamp. And I checked my map and saw that I was actually close to uh, this this mission that I hadn't even thought about doing yet because I was so far away from it called uh, – I forget what, what it's called specifically. But it's there's this group of gunslingers that you're hired to go identify and, and interview and take photos of early on in the Oh, game. yeah. There's, like, six of them yeah, that you can go. Yeah. And so – The Sinister Six. Yeah. So it's, like, Black Bell, this woman who's, like, a, you know, in her mid-40s and is, like, a, a – a former bounty hunter and and gunslinger and I, oh yeah that black bell one is really far yeah so that's where south yes. on the map so that is where I area. stopped that other stagecoach was like oh. uh, sixty seconds away from that so I was like mm-hmm. so far away so I'm like I'll roll over and do that mission I did that mission that mission was whatever that mission was fine she seemed really cool um, and I killed all these dudes in that mission she she gets attacked in that mission you kind of like help her withstand uh, uh, waves of bounty hunters it reminded me a little bit of the the stuff mm-hmm. in Red Dead One that was not great the like defend a whole a point from the waves and waves of enemies stuff. But at least this is a side mission yes. as opposed to like a central <laughs> yes. like m- moment in the game's story. Um, and so I kill all these dudes and she escapes and blah, blah, blah. I guess light spoilers for that. Apologies. Um, whatever. It's not a main thrust of this game. And then I, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go loot these guys and I'm going to head back west. And I go to loot them and I realize they have sunk into the mud. And immediately my mind is like fuck who how many people and how many hours and how much talent went into seeing them sink into the mud like i shot somebody and they were like in the mud in a way that i i don't know that i've seen 
in many games at all. If you drag but them around, it didn't around, seem like a glitch. Like when the no, 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 they were, falls to they the were ocean. all right. It's not like that at all. Just like literally, just they had they had fallen so hard that they fell deep into the mud. And I was walking through the mud, and my feet were like being left in. So I was immediately thinking again about like how hard is it to make a game like this? And then. I was ripped from that kind of deeper, like, oh, man, I don't do labor, because a guy rode up on a horse and was like, oh, mister, I'm feeling really sick. You got to help me. And I turned and looked at him. I was like, oh, what do you need? Like, I have medicine. You know, like, maybe I can walk up. And there had been other times when someone had said, I really, I saw someone get a snake bite once, and they were like, yeah, give me something to, to help me. And I'm like, oh, here's some medicine. This guy was like, no, I need to go to a doctor. He fell off the horse. <laughs> And I, I was like, shit, all right. And my game gave me a waypoint. And it gave me a waypoint in a place I'd never been even further east called Saint-Denis, Saint-Denis, which is like their – I knew that was the name of the big city in this game. And I was like, wow, I thought that didn't open up until later because I'd skimmed through Kirk Hamilton's review of the game. And he talks about the, the moment that you arrive in that city. There was some narrative stuff that goes along with it that, that for Kirk – It's like a big deal, It's a big probably. deal, right, exactly. The, 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 there's a major NPC who's talking to you who's like, look at this city. This is what, the, this is what civilization really is. Like, I'm judgy, et cetera. Like, here's the theme of this game. Um, but I didn't get that. That wasn't my first time going to Saint Denis. I'm sure I'll get that cutscene later. My first time going to Saint Denis was picking up this sick dude, putting him on the back of my horse, and just fucking bolting through the swamps and marshes and eventually bayous as I arrived in this kind of turn-of-the-century New Orleans-style city. Cobblestone streets, deeply, deeply dark. Another thing that happened in the moment is like, Patrick, I don't know if you've noticed this, or Rob, I don't know how far in you are, but like the nights are really bright out in the heartlands because there's so mm-hmm. many stars and, and the moon is just it's, like it's it's, it's a, a light sun. source. Yeah, totally. And I'd written down I was like upset about it because I thought the nights were too bright. But as I got closer and closer to Saint Denis, all of that light faded, either from the, the illumination of the city and the light pollution, or just because of the industry and the the smoke in the air or whatever. And it got so dark and it got dense with fog and mist and soot and I could see the gas lights of that town in the distance in the middle of the night just like at once illuminating the streets but also kind of blinding me because they were so bright and everything else was so dense and I just go fucking just storming through this city on my horse just like roaring through it I don't know anything I've never been here before I guess in game I guess Arthur theoretically knows where there's a doctor otherwise I don't know why there's a fucking waypoint on my map but I end up like (laughs) taking a turn and clipping a dude with my horse and everyone starts yelling and they're like and i get the wanted for unarmed assault and i just like fuck it i'm gonna ride away i gotta get this guy to this doctor i'll deal with that afterwards just an ambulance at this exactly you just clip people sometimes and so i i keep moving sometimes you gotta Uh, make patience sorry say that one more time Sometimes you got to make patience. That's, wow, geez. Yeah. Daniel so loves being an EMS. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I clip this guy. I get the thing that's wanted. And then I get to the doctor before the people. People behind me are just like, what do you Stop, stop, stop. You hit somebody or whatever. I pull in front of the doctor and there's a cop already outside. And I'm like, fuck. And the thing I hate about Rockstar open world games, the thing I hate about open world games in general, is that there is almost always a universal wanted meter where it's like everybody knows all the, all at once magically that I did some shit. But this cop goes like, hey, I think people are calling for you back there. Do you, you should – hey, mister, you should go – you got to go back and, and deal with whatever happened back there. And I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. And the thing to know is – about this game is that there's a horse loyalty meter and (laughs) 
you gain that by like patting your horse or by like feeding it nice feeding, yeah, yeah it's really feeding satisfying it. it's it's so nice to pet animals in general in this game the animal oh, stuff is really the, good like yeah like the, the the idea that when you're uh if like a grizzly bear makes a noise yes. off to the side like if you're rolling through a forest it'll spook the uh your horse and then it can knock you off, uh, but early on when you're building that loyalty, if you hold R three, you'll, you'll you'll pet him like, hey, it's okay. It's hey, right. it's, you can get him. To, it's it's a it's a it's one of those like small detail yes. mechanics that I thought I was gonna be annoyed by, and instead the first time it happened where I heard this like big, enormous bear growl off to the side, we couldn't see yeah. him. Horse got spooked. I was just like. He calmed down. We kept about our, our business. I was like, oh, this is delightful. <laughs> so it is. It really is. I like all of that stuff the, the most. Uh, and so when you get your horse bond up, when the, you get enough horse points, you start uh-huh. to learn tricks. And the first trick you learn is that you can rear up if you hit the, like, slow down button and X at the same time. And so this cop is like, you got to go back the other way. And I'm like, oh, uh, stop. I don't want to hit this cop. Rear up. And the sick dude falls off my horse and cracks his skull on the ground. And I hop off. And the cop was like, listen, mister, you got to go deal with whatever they're talking about back there. And I'm like, I, I, I grab the body and I like, throw it over my shoulders. It's, he's dead. He's dead. I, in my heart of hearts, I know he's dead because the waypoint has – the doctor waypoint has vanished from my mouth. <laughs> but I still go in because I'm still like, I got to get this guy to the fucking doctor. So I just like run I in. I said I'd do this right? thing. Right. I said I would do this thing. And the doctor is out front and he's like, uh, can I help you? And I target him and it doesn't let me do anything because this guy is dead and the game is smart. But it's not that smart. It doesn't know that I just killed him out front. Right. So I run in the operating room and I'm trying to drop this guy and I cannot drop this guy. Like I, I, there's not enough room on the ground for me to drop him and I think because I'm in an interior it won't let me just drop a body. And the cop comes in and he's like alright sir I, I've told you enough times you know there, there are people back there or whatever. He's like I told you enough times you gotta come with me now. And then I get the blip that's like uh, you know, when you haven't done anything too bad, you can surrender. And so I'm like, fuck it. You know what? Fuck it. Hit surrender. And Arthur just kind of like throws up his hands. I think the body just in that animation falls off of me and onto the ground. <laughs> and, and then it cuts from that. And it's like, you could fake surrender. You could like fight back at this point. I was like, fuck it. You know, let me spend a couple of nights in the fucking clink. Like, and it just like cuts to Arthur in there asleep and, and, and then it opens hey, up. Got your, you probably got your stamina up. I got up. my stamina up. I slept. rested a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And I walked out. I had three bucks to my name and there was like a little vaudeville theater right across the way. So I went in, spent my last two bucks on the ticket, watched a guy do some magic tricks with a bullet, watched a, a flame a flame spitter and, uh, and heard someone sing Hello, My Darling. So... That was like and an th- alien popped out. Right. <laughs> this was this Good. like forty-five minute sequence from the first people who I saw on the side, or from like from the moment I finished that loan mission to this moment. Right. And so much of it was things going wrong in a way that arose from friction in the gameplay, and like that is what I love about. That's what I love about games like Far Cry Two. It's what I love about games like Dragon's Dogma. Is that sense that like. I'm making choices that are not only that, that where I can be successful in my immediate intention, but can have knock on consequences that complicate things for me. Um, and all throughout that whole experience, I did keep coming back to this question of the labor stuff of just like, how do you get this right? Like this city seems so dense and so big. And it is like, I, I've now seen that city in the daylight and it's like, I, I don't know that I've seen like, that's not true. Uh, uh, GTA 5 definitely has big, really hyper-detailed cities, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect one in Red Dead because normally when I think about Red Dead, I think about big open plains and, like, tiny little settlements. It, st- it stands out in, ver- in contrast to the totally. rest of the house. 
how deeply sparse so much of the, this world. Like it's such an enormous world. Like Red Dead Redemption is a big world, but this is like just exponentially bigger. So there are just so many long, quiet moments where yeah, you will either see nothing, or you'll just see rabbits, or you'll see the occasional person on a horse. But you can go five minutes, right. and so to see a, this place that's like hyper dense with like laundries and and little sub communities is is a lot. Danielle. So, quick question. I haven't played any of this totally. yet. I keep thinking about Novigrad as yeah. you're talking about this today. I keep yeah. thinking about Witcher 3, and I'm wondering that's the, uh, that's if, close. if there are comparisons here or if that's no, Novigrad's but... probably a bigger and denser city than this is, okay. for sure. Um, and but, but it had a similar effect for me of, like, getting to mm. Novigrad was, so, was a relief for me after spending so much time out in, in the, the swamp. In the swamp. Yeah, exactly. What was what's the I forget what the name of that place is. Velen. Yeah, Velen, out in Velen. It's like, oh my God, finally there's all these people. And immediately, of course, it's like, yeah, fuck people. This place sucks too. Everywhere sucks, right? <laughs> um, but what what it didn't have was this like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm still so early in this game that I don't know that I that I I don't know if it hits its its thematic ideas in a way that will stick with me or a way that, that will provide insight. Or, or perspective on questions I hadn't answered yet. So far, I'll, I'll say no. So far, it has been very much like a lot of, of white folks saying that they want to live free and like they don't want the government to sweep in. Uh, and it's not to say there aren't characters of color. There are, there are you know, uh, two black cowboys uh, in your group. One of them is, is a half, half Native American. I don't think that stuff is done particularly well, you know, when, when you have one native american character in your crew and he's the one who like teaches you to hunt and teaches you the the value oh, of boy. and there's something i think is sort of interesting around his own the the uh, kind of the writing of the character is more interesting than what he is used yes. practically to mm. teach like yes Arthur. so like if you separate the two like the the conversations i've had with that character have been yeah. interesting and there's but like the like the, what you're speaking to of like his use of like ah the one half Native American, yeah. like, okay, get out there with the bow and arrow. Because yeah. his hand He's is going to teach you how to broken. track like, and how to, yeah. Right. Like, that's that's <clears throat> not great and could have been done in any number of other ways, considering this is probably a camp in which, like, most people need to right. have set some. Up. Set, like, there's no way there's just one tracker no. in this in this group, um, given how much they are on the run. But, like, separate from that, like, the like the com- like long conversation you have with him when, like, you're, when you're heading into mm-hmm. – to, uh, to the first camp. Yeah. I think he's on, like, the wagon with mm-hmm. you it's, and you hear a little, a little about his backstory. Hosea, like, yeah. The, yeah, like, the writing on that stuff is stronger than I expected. I think the um, writing in general of that core set of characters has been stronger than I expected. But I think that's because my expectations are coming right off of Red Dead, which we all played a bunch of. And boy, like my expectations could not have been fucking lower as far as the writing is concerned coming off of that because of yeah. characters like Irish and Seth who were just like – and even even Javier who's who's in this game uh, again but like was, was not a particularly well-written character in the first game. And here there is a – I don't want to say like there's a seriousness to the game but they aren't trying – there are enough characters around you – who they are doing their their ambition is to do Bonnie McFarland, not to do Irish, not to do Seth. Yeah, right. They're right. Amb- and they're also spreading these traits out amongst more yeah. characters, and so there's se- at least seemingly early on less of like a compression of a bunch of like archetypes, stereotypes. Like not that that stuff isn't isn't like present in parts of the world, but it seems like just because there's a larger cast of characters, you can just do more with it. The, like they can be something more hyper specific than. They're less broad than they were yeah, in yeah. the first. You still, I still hit those those really bad character caricature style characters. I met a dude in the woods just last night or two nights ago, I guess. That was like doing his best Jay Gatsby impression, 
Like, ah, well, hey, old sport. Like, I, uh, <laughs> a wonder to see you out here. A, a, a glimpse of civilization in the wilderness. And I was like, fuck all. And like wearing like a, he may as well have been wearing a fucking cardigan. You know what I mean? Like gave me his card. Like, and that character was not good in any way. I met another dude who's like yeah. a nature photographer. And it's like, it's so incongruous with the tone of the camp, which is, I think, the thing that maybe is the thing I works best for me in this game. I like waking up and doing chores in that camp. I like waking up. I, I like hitting R2 to take, take, a, a, take an axe. A, you got every bite. I was oh, yeah. trying to explain this to a friend of mine while we were watching the Bears game, and he was just, he was just like, you hit, have to hit R2 every time to eat your soup? And I was like, I know. It's it's yeah. it's great. Yeah, I love it. I know. It sounds ridiculous, but it, I was like, it's, it, it's very yeah, good. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I can't, I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter be like, why, why isn't there just fast travel immediately? Um, why does, why do I have to like hit R2 to shoot, to like re, um, not just to, to shoot the gun, but to actually recock certain guns. Um, you have to like hit it twice in certain cases. If you're aiming down the sights, uh, why do I have to like the, the, the animation stuff is very much like the Witcher in terms of there being a lot of animation and it being very momentum driven and very kind of like, you could say awkward, uh, for sure in terms of like methodical, methodical is, is probably sure. the, the way that we talk about it right that's the that's a better word um i like all of that stuff in a way that is just like a genuine like i i have every reason to be like biased against this thing but when i when i like slowly get off my horse and pat the side of it when i'm like when i'm like walking through town at this like slow pace and i'm targeting people and going like howdy hope your day is okay or whatever when I'm when I'm like, <laughs> make sure you hit L two instead of L one. I'm still getting that down, so I've gotten in a couple. I got in a scrap with someone that he was just coming by on his horse, <laughs> and I hit L one, which my gun came out, and he was like, "Whoa, partner!" <laughs> yeah. And then I just didn't put it away yeah. fast enough, and he was like, "Well, you've escalated yeah. things," and he shot me, and I shot him back, and he died, and then that was where the game introduces the "you should probably hide the bodies" right. mechanic, sure. and I'm like dragging this poor soul's body off into a Man. bush. Because, like, you can pretty much kill anyone out in the wilderness without any sort of consequence as long as you sort of get them off the yeah. road. Because otherwise someone's, um, it someone will like... see it, they'll go tell the cops, and the cops will show up, right, and, like, start to investigate it. Um, I've had, have had cops come to investigate main story mission areas where, like, you just get mm-hmm. into a huge gunfight between two gangs. And I'm like, I'm just going to loot all these people. And then, it's, then you hear the horses <laughs> coming, and the, the lawmen are like, hey, what happened here? Uh, and I, I, it told me I could try to talk them down and convince them I had nothing to do with it, but boy, did I not hit that button right. And instead, immediately <laughs> was being chased through the woods. And like, this is the stuff that works the most for me in this game is it as an open world, you know, vignette generator, or not vignette, uh, anecdote generator. Um, I, I think that the writing in the, in the main camp has been good in, in terms of just like, I like checking in with people. I like doing the rounds. I like getting coffee in the mm-hmm. morning and like going around being like, "Hey, Mary Beth, how are you doing? Like, what what did you get up putting to last a couple night? dollars into the yeah. tin? Like that, that feels feel, good. That stuff feels good. It feels like I'm contributing in a way. Um, I think that there is a, a, a really strong argument. I saw Dia Dia Lucina make this on Twitter um, that like so much of the open world and so much of the story are both about you being always in the right place at the right time, always being like the world does not secretly there. This is not a clockwork world that is moving outside of you. You are the, the primary mover, right? You are the person who is, who is always there right before the gunfight begins. 
you know, when the bandits are coming down on the on the, the father and son who are building their house in the, in the woods, you're there at the right time. You're there at the right time when the when the bar fight breaks out. You're there at the right time when the, the you know the the lawmen are, are chasing somebody, and you could be the one who can save them. Um, and I think that that is a, a really in- I think that's already a common critique about games in general. I just think it's extra pointed here, given that so much of the effect that they're going for with the heightened realism and the incredible intense detail and all that stuff is about trying to convince you that the world is real and that it, it, it's moving on its own and all that stuff. I think that there is a, an incong- incongruity there. Um, it hasn't, it hasn't really negatively impacted my experience yet. Um, but I, I really want this game to keep leaning into moments that push me off of the path that I want to be on and into trouble. Um, and so we'll see if it, if it does that stuff, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm still probably only 20 hours in or something like that. Uh, I, I haven't checked. I haven't, I, I'm further on than Patrick is, but I don't, I, I haven't moved camp yet is what I'll say, Patrick. Like I, I haven't, my understanding is there are multiple camps. It seems like you could spend 30, 40 hours before meaningfully progressing yeah. the main story. Um, if you want. And, and I guess I'll say is I don't want to leave it on just like, and that's my good time with red dead. Like I, I think we are all having complicated concerns in terms, again, of the labor stuff. But also, there's a lot that just is fucked in this game. The menus make no sense. They're exhausting. I try... So, can we talk about the saving thing? So, this game doesn't... There are checkpoints. Mm -hmm. This game checkpoints for you automatically, like a a good video game in 2018 does. So, if you die, you can go back a little bit and pick up where you left off. But um, there are moments where... Like, especially if you're out in the world... The game doesn't communicate to you when the checkpointing occurs, right? There's not like a little uh, horseshoe in the corner that's like, cool, you're good. Like, that's where the game has checkpointed you. It's all kind of handled in the background. You're sort of trusted. So, But when you're out there, like, collecting pelts and just sort of exploring, um, you know, I like this morning I had, like, I'd gone for like 45 minutes where I'm like, I don't know, like, would I just lose this 45 minutes if I, like, fell off my horse and tumbled down a canyon like you can't that can happen like the physics can get really funky and you can you can die in weird ways um and so i was like looking for where to save and it's like not you hit pause it's not in the main list i went to three different set like i went to settings it's not there there's like progress story um and under one of them finally you find the ability to do a hard save but I then I recalled the reason I hadn't remembered about that for a while was because when I looked like four or five different times in the first four hours of the game, when you're largely in handholdy tutorial missions, uh, the game will just straight up say you cannot save right now. So like if you're in the middle of a mission, you can't do a hard save. Like the game is relying on the checkpoints at that point. Um, so it says like straight up like can't save at this moment, and it doesn't communicate to you like when you can when you're allowed to, when, when should you wait? Like I did a search. I found a GameSpot article that was like a explained, here's how you save in the game. And I was like, if the game has to, if I have to read an outside fact to explain how to save, like it's one of those, like the game is overlooking basic foundational elements of its design in pursuit of things that are bigger as though it already got that part right. When I, it does not. And I, the UI and menu stuff is, I, I don't, I, generally think it's pretty bad in this game is it trying to do something narratively sorry go ahead rob yeah i mean it feels like um well it's trying to do i think quite a bit narratively i think it's pulling from a lot of different influences there's a bit of it's tough because the game's have such a long development cycle to what degree is it like pulling from the witcher versus like both of those developments were a little bit already thinking along similar lines i don't know but 
this feels like it definitely has some, some influence uh, from from that. But in terms of the controls, what it feels like is they want a world where you can almost live in it and get up to the activities that a uh, you know a thief slash uh, gangster slash uh, frontiersman slash hunter uh, would all get up to, uh, you know, in that time and place. But they can't have one control scheme that accomplishes all of that. It's just too much that could happen in the world for that to easily map onto uh, a controller. And so they've relied on a kind of Baroque... A mix of contextual controls so that like it feels like things in certain situations are possible that you cannot just do outside of those situations um and then it also has things like a lot of button combos it feels it feels very much it's a little it's a little marvel versus capcom in places <laughs> like the whole uh firing a warning shot thing they they've got a way for you to do that uh, but it also, you have to remember, this is how you fire a warning shot, which is distinct from how you bring up uh, your quick inventory, which is distinct from how you navigate that. So it's it's a Oof. really, it never feels intuitive. It reminds me a lot of Spider-Man in this, in this huh. sense of like, sure. yeah. there's a million things this game wants to make possible so that you can like fully invest in the fantasy. But... Uh, it doesn't have an elegant solution for that. And so what they've done is they've created this like nesting doll controller configuration to try to let all things be possible in the right places in the right, in the right time, provided you remember how the shoulder buttons and triggers completely change <laughs> meanings between scenes. And so you will talk to somebody rather than blowing their head off in a saloon when you meant to say hi. Well, and which, uh, so I had forgotten, I can't remember what, uh, so I wanted to look up what button press does. So I just went into the options menu, and then there is, like, a spot to look up, like, what the actions of each button is, both in, like, the you can change the context, whether you're on a horse, whether you're in third person, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there are so many actions that even um, the one I was looking at, which I think was, like, what does the controller do when you're in third person? Um, it doesn't stay on that. It, like, fades between, what like, the the B option is for like a, a control for, for that button, like based on the context, even within yeah. the third person context. And I couldn't get it to stay in the spot. Like it fades every like two and a half seconds to like the other one. So I had to take my phone out, wait for it oh to come up, God. take a screenshot. Wow. So then I could look on my phone. I was like, I just want to see what the fucking circle button does. Like just stop. Like just, <laughs> it just, uh, it was, it was. Well, and uh, they want to have a very lightweight UI. And yeah. so, like, and to like when that when you don't need a UI, and that's a lot of the game, uh, it looks gorgeous. Like just un unrestricted field of view. You can change your camera angle. Uh, you can go to a really wild first person mode if you want, which is hilarious. I love that first person uh, mode. I I sometimes I want that to be in VR. I'm not, I don't want to play in it like myself, but I do want to watch other people oh, yeah. play in it. And I do. <laughs> I would love to play that in like VR. First person for, like, horse does not work great. I'm gonna say that. No, I, uh, <laughs> but it works great. But it, it can be fun to get into a gunfight in that mode, or to like walk around a store or whatever. But the thing is, so like you can see a lot of this world looks gorgeous, but occasionally you need to know things like how's my stamina doing. Yeah. How's my health? Like, am I like, am I? Should I be like trying to get out of this fight right now? 
And they, like, I swear to God, I have a pretty big fucking TV. Yeah. And <laughs> I sit right they in front of one of these problem. meters. I have a projector, and it's, it's still It's the tough. size of a dime on my screen. So, Danielle, for your, for oh, your, wow. can you explain the way their, like, health and stamina meters work in this? It's a circle it's, it's, with an icon, right? And inside, inside the icon is, like, a white. It's a tiny little little baby, little baby icon. And it's all grayscale. <laughs> it's all gray. It's all black and white and gray. Uh, and the, the gray is not a dark gray, I'll say, some, which is important. Um, there's an icon that's, that if it's filled up is white. If it's empty, it's red. But if it's in the middle, it's, this, it's white and this light gray, which is hard to differentiate. And then on the outside of the circle, on the circumference, is a little white line just circling around it. And that is your active amount of health or stamina or whatever. The inside white icon that reduces is your core. And visually, I understand how you arrive at that. I understand how you arrive at, the, oh, the 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 big, uh, the middle of the icon will be the core. And the core determines how quickly those things come back naturally. So let's say it's the beginning of a gunfight and you get winged by a bullet or two. Your health core is fine, which means that you can get behind cover and heal up quickly. But if you haven't been eating and you haven't been, like, keeping, you've been shot a bunch and your health core is starting to go down, then you're going to hide behind some cover and you're not going to heal that quick. And that system is fine. I think that's, like, an interesting way to do it, as, as interesting as anything else you could do. I don't know that it's, like, good, but I think I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll learn this system and see how I feel about it in 30 hours. Um, <laughs> but the fact that, like, your current health or status or, or stamina – are the tiny little line that you cannot fucking clearly see. <coughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know why you arrive at that as the solution. It's so weird. Or, like, it should be something <coughs> that scales based on the context, right? right? Where, like, in, in a combat scenario, you're going to want to see those meters a lot more than I need to see my health meter when I'm just roaming the prairie. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't need to, to see that. But, like, the, the fact that, like, the UI doesn't, change in real time in any sort of meaningful fashion i mean like outside like, this is bad for us like this game is like an, a complete nightmare in terms of accessibility yeah. like yeah. this like th this game is probably not playable by all sorts of people uh it's 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 tough for us right. and like we're, we're not we you know this uh, dealing with any sort of complications yeah. on, in, in that regard so that's that's frustrating um and it's just you know even like small things like uh hey i'm gonna go see if I want to buy a new gun. It's like, okay, you know it would be cool if I could just look at a fucking list. And instead, no, I need to open a book. Look at that catalog. And I need to hit R1 to page through this book to get to the other weapons. Is that cool the first time? Sure. It's a neat way to present it. The second time, just give me the list so I can just pick <laughs> out the, option, the right? better pistol. I'm the guy who's going to want to flip through that book every time, but I 100% think that is where – there's no such thing as a perfect simulation. All simulations are biased. All simulations uh, make prioritization and choices about what they want – where they want detail to, to appear. Um, and so I think it's foolish to be, but that's realistic. Like there's no, that's not, no, stop it. Stop it. What realism is uh, different. There's a, there's a huge range of what, what realism can look like, right? Like realism in this game is people sinking into the mud after you shoot them. It's lots of animations right. for eating peaches and eating stew and all that stuff. It's the idea that you need to feed your camp and keep people healthy. But like, you can go an infinite amount of time without eating anything and still live in this game, right? You can go without sleep forever. Uh, you can, you can, there are times when you can, ma like, they made a big deal in the previews to be like, 
and the hair if you're growing the hair out like you're if you're growing a beard if you cut your beard or your hair it only goes one way you can't get a longer hairstyle whenever you want your hair gets cut down and so it's it's like if you want a, a really cool long ponytail you got to grow it out over the course of a long time you can't have a buzz cut and then decide you want a ponytail but then like you get to the horse customization stuff I was like, fuck it, man. What you want to do? We'll do what we'll, you want a long tail on that horse? You want a short tail? How long you want the mane to be? You wanted it short a second ago. I cut it, but now it can be it can be long and in braids. Don't even worry about it, homie. Um, they got horse wigs. Yeah, horse, I guess they know? have horse wigs, right. They don't have wigs in this game. If I wanted to buy early, who knows? Maybe there's another city I'll find where finally I unlock the wig dealer. Um But but like, in other words, there are there are This always... man needed a haircut. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and that's the thing is like if you're going to you're already going to make uh, decisions about where that where the limits of your so-called realism are. What What is the core idea that you want to communicate? Right. Like uh, you, you think about um, a game like uh, uh, Daisy, which or, or what's the new one? What's the one that's like um, that has like, oh, that one where like you have to learn you how to, to learn pee. how to pee. And it had like the Nazi Scud, in it. Scoob, Scuba. Sure. Skunk. People know what we're talking Do about. They? Stunt. Scum. scum says Thank Kato. you, Kato. Scum. Um, <laughs> it's not scud. I mean, this is these are, these are uh, the game has all sorts of stats uh, systems that actually don't. They're more they're more just stat bonuses. Like, do you want bonuses? Then yeah. pay attention then to clean this stuff. Your gun. If you don't want to pay attention to this stuff, it's cool. Which I actually appreciate because the ones that I find. The ones that I find myself engaging with are like I'm gonna feed my yeah. horse a carrot. I'm gonna and like that's cool that I that I get a stamina bonus out of it. Like sure. okay, but I'm glad that they're not intrin like because the, the game would have to go in a different simulation direction for me to make me actually care about right. that stuff. So I'm glad that it's mostly light in a way that I mostly just don't have to. Have right, to the worry realism about. it wants to communicate is the realism of a certain subgenre of westerns, right? Like I think we talked about this in the lead up that it felt like it wanted to be more true grit or or even more there they will uh, there will be blood than the kind of like uh spaghetti westerns that Red Dead 1 was Red Dead Redemption was 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 playing with. Um and I think that it's mostly effective at that through the inclusion of little details uh, to some degree this is a game that answers my biggest, 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 com- longest complaint about open world games, which if you go back and read that piece I wrote for Paste, uh, Real Human Beings, like, I've wanted to be able to, like, talk to people in an open world game and just say, hey, I hope your day is good for a long time. I've wanted to be able to hug the person who wants a hug for a long time or to, like, tell the person playing the trumpet that they're doing a good job. And so like to have, and it's not perfect still. <laughs> there are, I had friends last night saying like, is there a way for me to tip people who are asking for like, give money to people who are begging for money? And I'm like, yeah, totally. I did that in this place. And they're like, well, in this place, it just doesn't work if you do that. And it's like, okay, cool. Like there's just not, there's a lot of inconsistency there. Or like I, I had a situation this morning where uh came across this woman on the side of the road. Oh. She, uh, uh, yes, horse I had, had this last night. Uh, died. Yep. Um, like in the middle of riding, and so it had crushed her leg. I mean, she was okay, but she just could not muster the strength to, to get the horse off of her. Um, so I'd pull over, and you know, I'd hold L two, and I'd you know say hello, and then you get a, a second option that's like choose yeah. to help. And I'm like, yeah, all right. So I get off my horse, lift up the horse, and she's um, you can the, the quest can end there where you just lift the horse up, and she's like, I don't know what I'm going to tell my friend 
about what happened. But then if you hold L2 again, you get a third interaction, which is like offer to give them a ride home. I was like, cool. Like that's neat that yeah. I can give an optional like bon- additional. I was like, I'm handed a Valentine anyway. Yeah. So cool. Like I'll give you uh, a ride home. The game is probably recognizing like, hey, you're, that's the main hub that you're using right now. So it's kind of on your way to whatever you're doing. Well, she goes, oh, well, uh, I can't get on your horse because you've got a pelt Patrick, there. Patrick, this literally so like, oh, happened okay. to me last night, literally. So I, I went over and I was like, all right, well, I took the pelt off. And I was like, all right, well, I'll, I can't bring the whole pelt back, but I'll skin it. And then I'll get, at least get the skin. I'll put that on my horse. And then uh, I'll, I'll I'll go get her on the horse. And then we'll go, we'll go to Valentine. Well, I skin it. And then it's the moment yep. I finish that. She's like, well... Okay, partner, guess I'll find my own way <laughs> yep. home. And she just starts walking down the road. And I'm like, yo, 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 yo. And I'm holding all two, yes, tapping all two. No, no further interactions. Like, all right, well, I'll get on my yep. horse. And then maybe maybe I, maybe I can get something to happen. <laughs> and so I get on the horse, walk over to her. And I'm like, L2, L2, L2. And I'm like nudging yep. her with the Nothing. horse. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> get on the horse. Look at me. God damn it. Like, I skinned. Okay. I and, had a level three fucking deer. That was the thing. It was like I would have left it behind if it was level two deer. This happened to me last night, Patrick, or two. Right. Ha- the last yeah, night and, I played and, this and was the last nothing thing that can... happened. <sighs> this is the last thing that happened to me this morning, and I was uh, it's, it well, was like really frustrating because I had like this really interesting series of moments, and the yeah. idea that like I was able to have that extra. It wasn't the game saying give her a ride right. home. It was me choosing to see if there was another interaction with the character and being given that option, and then the game not recognizing that I was doing something. Very routine, which is you are, you are always. almost always going in between places. You will see yep. some sort of creature. And even if it's not a legendary or a level three or whatever, like it's just useful to get parts because you can sell that totally. stuff or give it to your camp. And so I, it was not like I sat around for five minutes. It was a 30-second routine interaction that you cannot skip. You have to watch them go through when the whole thing. When it's even interesting, if like, it worked, if the, if the takeaway there would be like, well, I didn't get everything, but I got the pelt and some meat. And right. and then that that story ended like that was a really cool interaction. I I sacrificed some of my hunting git in order to to help this woman home. That because I'm sure I get something at the end of that. Sure. Like there's some probably some a sort of bonus payout, or, or it just feels right. nice. Yeah, or whatever. Like I probably get something at the end of it. Um, and it was just yeah, it was just really. Yeah. It was part of where the simulation falls apart. Where it's like the game is so good. I mean, this is part of the problem when you head in this direction, right? Is that then. The, when it doesn't work, the seams, it's real. The seams ah, become, like, damn, like that yeah. sucks because it was so close on a whole lot of these so parts. I, and, after that, um, I was like, well, fuck it. I got this good deer, I guess. I'm going to go back to my right. camp. I went back to my camp, and because I would finished a certain set of other missions, my camp was in party mode. I showed up, and I had a loading screen. Like It did like the, the shot of the sky as things changed, and it took yeah. me from being like early morning to being middle of the, like, at, you know, late evening. And I like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I get my deer and the pelt off the back of this my horse, and I go over to drop it off at Pearson, who's like the butcher. And he's like, close for shot, man. I'm like, close for sh- Fucking butcher the deer I just brought Party. in. It's level three deer. The game has warned me that if I leave carcasses around, they'll start like, <laughs> the, someone is going to eat it. Like someone, like the, the flies will, will get to it or wolves or whatever. But no, that my camp has gone into like celebration mode, which is a which would have been really cool any other time because I would have gotten back and I would have been like, oh, they're singing songs, they're welcoming a new person to the camp. Like there's a whole there's like that whole night, and so what I was like, fuck it, I'm not dropping this deer. I'm gonna hold this deer as long as I can. That way, wow. no wolves get to it. So I'm just like walking That's around. That's your icebreaker. This... <laughs> How you doing, Mary Beth? Yeah, it's a level hey, uh, three deer. I got you it. Notice anything about me? <laughs> Notice anything different? Is on straight. Uh, 
Yeah, well, and here's the funny thing is eventually I, I had to put the deer down because I was like, all right, there's stuff I want to like, I want to have conversations with people sitting down. So I have to go sit down near them. So I put the deer back on my horse, hoping that the horse would guard it. Uh, and then I walked over to somebody and they're like, you got a lot of blood on your shirt. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. Oh, oh I'm so mad at you. Uh, did, so did anyway. you save that deer? I did. I, I, I'm Hell like, fuck yeah. it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait until it's it. good to go. Horse guarded it. Horse guarded it. Next morning, I brought it over to Pearson. He was like, oh, good deer you got here. I'm like, fuck you, Pearson. I had this deer last night, and you know it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think those are our opening thoughts on Red Dead. I think we're going to continue to talk about it and continue to like – and we, we kind of thought about maybe doing a letter series style thing instead of doing the kind of big final review. I think games like this, it can be really hard to be like – and here is my 1,200 words about what I think about it. Not because I think the game is is so dense or so much better or whatever than anything else, but because the the context, knowing the context of the labor conditions, knowing the context, or not the context, but I'm so curious to see how they continue to work with, with uh, talk about race uh, and indigenous culture and stuff, but for better and worse. You know, I've heard very I mean, mixed yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the... That vulture piece indicated that there like is at least some significant subplot right. involving the government and native lands. I'm, yeah. you know, it's, we'll see. It's, it, yes, our expectations are low, but like they continue to put their foot in it, and it's like okay, yeah. then um, let's see how so it I just goes. Kind of maybe uh, you know, I think Patrick, you pitched this morning doing the letter series the way we did back with like Final Fantasy 15 as a way of like yeah, yeah, we can keep talking about this thing, and it can be in a way that is discursive it, and not... it allows us to hit a lot of yes. different subjects yeah. that. Uh, a lot of us are going to have that. Are, it's kind of like a podcast roundtable, and so I think we'll probably do one or two or three of those, depending on how what people how people think and, and think what we them. think, whether yeah. or not they, it has us for that long. Um, yeah. Also, as a reminder, we're going to try to record the second half of our Red Dead Redemption One Waypoint One Hundred One sometime this week. Uh, that'll either go up this week or next week. We're not sure yet, depending on scheduling. Um, the that'll be the rest of the game and Undead Nightmare, at least a taste of both of those things. Uh, I will probably just watch the final act of the game. I, I don't Same. Yeah, I don't think it's worth me going I through I don't want to play yeah, anymore of that game. Me <laughs> I mean, it w- the one like sort of like the final a tangent on that is like it is <sighs> it is a remarkable to play these yes. games back to back <laughs> just to, just just in the sheer like just the, the, the way games have progressed to technologically in in the time in between, it is just kind of amazing to to contrast those two next to one another. I also just think in terms of like, so I think about the last act of that game, and the funniest thing is, or we'll talk about this in the one hundred and one. I, I won't get into it here because I don't want to spoil anything. But what I will say is, when yeah. I think about we, what we already talked about with Red Dead uh-huh. One, the parts that we had some fondness towards, bits of the Bonnie storyline. Um, I, I really like uh, Landon Ricketts, the, the gunslinger you meet when you first get into to, to Mexico. Is I like that intro encounter with him. Um, the more mundane stuff that you do on Bonnie's farm, the sort of like, oh, I'm just helping out around camp. I'm relieved that Red Dead Two leans into that stuff more. Um, you know, I if you told me that I could play Red Dead Online and that that's going to have a camp version where all I'm doing is the open world stuff and the maintaining my camp and feeding my friends and cooking a stew and wandering around, that might be the best version of this for me. We'll well we'll see. I'll, I'll keep. I am super curious to see what that online train heists have to this, be there, right? You know, into. I we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm less interested in that stuff. I'm you're just more, but I'm I'm just with with the player interactions yeah. end up being is right. what. Because you know, so much of GTA Line is like 
there are like warring yep. factions and there's an economy and like there's a lot of go go do some <laughs> reading like people who have done reporting on GTA online like I have no interest in ever playing right. it but it is fascinating about some of the the story emergent storytelling that happens among the the player base so I'm especially just given this the scale of the world and the way the world is laid out and the lack of density like and I just I'm fascinated to see how that yeah. actually ends and up again like, I just want to end this by by reiterating what we've said throughout which is like at no point in this uh, uh, some other quotes came out actually since we last rec- recorded a, a podcast about did they did was the elf stuff before did we talk about the elf shit we did not talk about the elf so stuff. i was like on the day of release or the day before release some some more folks i think it was i think it was one of the housers i don't i believe it was in a, a gq yeah it was a profile. g it was definitely a gq profile did we talk about this actually? No, we talked about it in our Discord. Yeah, <laughs> we did okay. not talk about it on a podcast. Because the Friday pod was think... recorded earlier that it was week. Like a Monday style. Yeah, it was pod. a Monday style pod that we recorded yeah. on like Thursday or something like that. Uh, There's a GQ piece that included some some quotes that were just like as as completely um, just like honest in the worst possible way about the desire <laughs> to obfuscate. The, the labor that goes in the creation of, of commodities. Um, I, I, I'm going to find Wait, the exact... we absolutely talked about this. I'm pretty sure we, we did. absolutely talked about this. I'm pretty okay. sure we did. Are you sure? Okay, right. well, if we did, well, so. then... It's been a It's been a lot. lot. I know. Okay, then, yeah, it would have been... I guess it was last Wednesday. So, yeah, you've heard us talk about that stuff. Like, that's the thing that I think of, of constantly now is this feeling that, like, don't... Don't play this game and let that be true. Don't let anyone s- convince you that like these games are made by magic. That these games appear on the store shelf wholly formed. Like constantly remind yourself as you're playing that like, oh wow, like people did this, including some people who aren't credited in this game. Right? Yeah. Including people who are not going to get any of the profit share because they've left the studio or because they are not high enough up in the in the studio, or because they're not in a role where that profit share is meaningful, um, and and you know that is something that that I think is the only way to, for me to play that game with a like, decent conscience is to like keep is to partner it with ongoing advocacy. Um, there's a there's a piece that should show up sometime this week in which I I uh, not at Waypoint actually it's a guest piece over at a different site uh, that will be about some of the the conversation we've had recently around remaking the, the games industry and trying to make it more equitable so look, just keep that stuff in mind as you play at the very least and then and then as we said last time like find ways to actively engage with making this industry better because otherwise i, I think we all run the risk of being extremely complicit and and extremely like i'm just going to play my game and 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 you know just keep my keep my head down and uh i i would encourage you not to not to not to do that All right, we should take a break and then hit the question bucket and then wrap things up. Sound good? Yeah. All right, we will be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, 
All right, we are back, and we have a question bucket in front of us. If you uh, have questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com with the subject question. Please, co-hosts, tell me if I start going down a path you've already gone down. I'm pretty sure these are safe, but we'll see. This one came in from Derek uh, from Harrisburg, who says, this, uh, who, who sent us like a really nice complimentary paragraph. I'm skipping that part. I'm jumping to this part. There's a sort of appeal to the podcast, or uh, of the podcast has, in that you all have the freedom not only to discuss things intelligently, but very genuinely, a freedom to voice and develop half-formed thoughts in a casual way that resonates with me. Yet I find that in listening, I begin to put myself down for wasting my time in trying to engage with things without a professional outlet or any accreditation. And I think that this has a lot to do with a capitalist imperative to, if not monetize hob- hobbies and passions, to at least professionalize them, whatever that might mean. Can any of you relate to having this sort of critical impulse, perhaps early in your careers, that gets stifled by a lack of encouraging of an encouraging community or maybe by a dead-end job? Is there any advice you could give to a listener like me who has that impulse and nowhere to go with it, no time or incentive or audience to write about it or to write f- about it for, uh, and for whom the, the whole enterprise of falling in love with the game feels more alienating than humanizing? Thank you, Derek. It's a good question. I definitely think... I have been super guilty of like professionalizing or, or, or um, you know, trying to lift my interests in a way that makes them monetizable and therefore defendable, right? I, you know, I write about video games for a living. I run a podcast with a Patreon where I get to pretend to be orcs and robot pilots, right? Like it's not uh, – those things probably don't happen in my life if <coughs> if I'm not – convincing myself that they're worthwhile in this long-term way. Uh, so I think I'm definitely guilty of that. But I but I also come from a, a heritage of just the community side of it, right? Like being in IRC channels, uh, being on forums, talk, talking with friends, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sick, talking with friends on social media um, and, and trying to get into the loop of conversation in that way. Uh, as Rob pointed out a few episodes ago, probably like eight episodes ago now though, um, a lot of that part of the internet has changed. And so like, I I don't know that you'll just find that community on Twitter. What I will say is like, I'm so thankful for our mods on our discord and on our forums who have built a place where I constantly see people pushing themselves to share and engage with conversations that they, that, you know, they might not have another outlet for. So, so consider going to discourse.zone and checking out uh, some, some of the conversation there and contributing. Any other thoughts here in terms of professionalization? Yeah. I mean, I find the impulse interesting, though. Yeah. Um, like, I'm not saying, like, I encourage people to pursue, like, you have a creative impulse, like, you want to, like, do something. I encourage that. Yeah. What I find interesting in this email, though, is just the way I'm reading it, there's also an element of, I can't just enjoy something. Like, I feel bad about just enjoying something just for its own sake with no end in mind. <sighs> And I would like to have encouragement to have that other end, and then I will be able to enjoy it, like, on its own merits. And that's the thing that I want to dig into a little bit, because for me, I think, if I could go back and, like, fix my brain, well, there'd be a lot of things I'd do differently. If I could get my hands in there, I'd do a lot of things to sort of retool the way my brain works. But I think one of the things I would like to do is also get in a place where I can enjoy something, and engage meaningfully with it just for me. And that feels completely unencumbered by the sense of some other obligation that I must then you like that I must then instrumentalize my engagement and enjoyment for some other purpose. Even if it's not for money, but it has to be turned into something. And that's the thing I would like 
I find that an interesting impulse. And that's the thing that like I sort of caution is that absolutely find like encouragement to pursue, like to sort of pursue your passions, like and explore your ideas and thoughts. But also I think it is helpful to get into a place where like you can just be an audience member and there's no, you know what I mean? Like that you don't need to always be the critic uh, because that's kind of something that I would like to be able to do more often myself. Yeah, I, I, that perspective, a thousand percent. I'm sure you're not shocked to hear this, Rob, but I, I, I have a compulsion to do this. I can never do anything just for fun. If I, if I want to try grappling, I have to do it to a point where I get competitive in it. If I want to help people in some fashion, it means I have to go get certified as an EMT and then uh, make commitments to be on an ambulance every other week. I, I cannot, I am incapable of just enjoying anything. If I enjoy film, it means I have to go get a master's degree in it and then teach classes in it. Like, I, I a thousand percent relate to Derek in that uh, capacity. And uh, boy, would I fix my brain to not be like this as well if I had the, the tools to go in well, there and rearrange a few things. Uh, but in the cautionary... Is... Yeah, so... Sorry, I'll, I'll just interject here. The cautionary note I, I would sound about this is like the impulse is great. That impulse can also just eventually exhaust you. And like that's that for me is the thing. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, so yeah, it's... It's great to have passions, and it's great to have passions that drive you. And maybe it isn't uh, a compulsion for Derek. Maybe I'm really uh, <clears throat> reading a little more of myself into this than is necessarily there. But uh, all I can say is I completely sympathize with that. And also, I, I think it is sort of a marker of the way that there is a degree of... I don't want to use this term in the, in the knee-jerk way, but there is a degree of elitism that you could read into a lot of media criticism, right? And that doesn't necessarily push some people away. Some people would like to join that. You know, they would like to be part of that. They would like to be credentialed. They would like to actually feel like they're in the club in some way in that. And uh, that is something I think <laughs> is good to be mindful of and is good to actually think about and good to sort of break down why that is and why that shows up sometimes. Uh yeah, I share similar impulses to what everyone here has uh, discussed, how they handle their professorization of their work. I will say one, there are lots of things I've enjoyed about becoming uh, a parent. One of the things that I didn't quite expect but has been uh, like a, one of the greater positives personally, like the way it sort of disarms you and ha like the way it has refocused like my worldview, my appreciation for moment-to-moment -moment things, like – the, the way I, I stop thinking in the ways that we're all talking because my focus has like it has to be elsewhere it is it, I, I literally have no choice but to like reprioritize my life because of this this person and also this dog that has just come to, yeah I know you want to be fed it's usually fed like an hour, but it's fine we'll get there Red Dead Redemption 2 came out this week all right Pixel I'm sorry um, oh, Pixel. and my dog was like a small version of that, right? Like the, the ways that like changes your routine. Like I, I, part, one of the things I really enjoyed about my kid is, is the way it is, is reshook like everything that I had defined about myself for the first 30 years, like good and bad. And, uh, I'm not saying you should go get a, a kid <laughs> or have a kid in order to do that. I'm just saying one of the side effects of that, there are other ways to like have those moments in your life. One of the things I've enjoyed is that it has helped me recontextualize those bad habits I've had. And I've, I've appreciated the side benefits of that where I just, I, I, I am forced to just sort of like refocus on things that uh, both aren't about me. And then even the things that I am focusing on sometimes have an audience of, of one or no one, um, which is just not usually how I perform other bits of my life. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that that's all. That is all <clears throat> pretty accurate, I think, in terms of the breadth of, of responses here. Um, another question. Patrick, if you're serious about having a dog, you should be running a puppy mill. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, this one comes in from Jack, who says, I'm on a bit of a platformer kick at the moment, having recently played through Mario Odyssey, Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, and Jack 2. So I was wondering, I know Danielle and Patrick are big on the genre. What are your five favorite platformers if you could only choose one from a franchise? Uh, well, that's too much to bite off in a. That's it, real quick. Idiot. Just give me what are your what are your um, what are your top five if you can only choose one in a franchise. Uh, I'm not gonna rank. I'm just gonna start naming the big games, ones. and then I'll yeah, have to I'll this work is a thought experiment. What that is, uh, not getting attacked. I consider Mega Man Two a platformer. Sure. Um, so that's there. Uh, Super Mario 3D World Ooh, is there. That's the one Mario game you put on this list. I don't. I wanted to go back and replay those because, like, Galaxy would probably like. I I definitely would pick a 3D Mario over a 2D Mario. I'll say okay. that. Um, okay. So, th- th- I really like 3D World. Well, I think it's like the most underappreciated Mario game, and I've not soured, but not I'm not as high on Odyssey as I was when I reviewed it. Um, and also, that means Jack probably hasn't played same it. Same boat. Hmm. Um, so it's two, and that, and that okay. So, All right, can we get, let's get to five between the two of you, Danielle? Yeah. Oh, okay. Jesus. Okay. What I, I, what I was fix. I was putting my list together in the last few no, minutes. No, just, just start listing. Yeah, we'll go five between the two of us. I think, that, I think that's better. Donkey Kong Country 2 and Donkey Kong Country Tropical no, Freeze. Because they're two different. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, they, no, they, they switched. They switched no. studios. No, 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 Pick one. You pick one. Pick one. Both of them. No. Then, then neither goes Kazooie? on. You can, pick, you can pick one or pick none. Yep. So right now we have three. Tropical Freeze. All right, so Tropical Freeze, Banjo-Kazooie 1. And one more. We need one more platformer. You want a Mario? We already did. Mark of the Ninja. Yo, that's a good pull, though. I love that game. I was trying to find an alternate. I was like, there's a bunch like, of there's a like, stealth platformer. Yeah, right it's there. like, well, what is you like, know? what is like, a, what is something that is like a platformer? But or like, for me, it's like, uh, grow up or grow home. Grow home. Grow home. Let's yeah. get a puzzle um, platformer in there too. Yeah, what's let's a good think puzzle? about one of those. What's well, Super Meat Boy is kind of a puzzle because yeah. you know you got to get through there with your fingers. That's what I, that, Super Meat Boy is one of the best. What's the one with the time with the time travel potion? Braid. Braid. That's yeah. It. I just wish barely has any platforming in it. That's the <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I didn't like the witness, but I, I liked I liked Braid. Yeah. Like mechanically, right, I, I think those are good. That's a good selection of of stuff. That's um, that's a lot. That's a good time. Like, mm, yeah, I hate lists, so that was thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Rob, before you go, I need your input on one thing. I know we have to. We all have to get out of here. Rob really has to get out of here. And this is our last question anyway. It comes in from from Magistrate Trotham, who says, "I like sandwiches. Sandwiches are good. What is more important in a good sandwich to you, the bread or the contents?" Whether that's meat or something else. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, okay. So we're assuming a baseline level of quality, right? Yeah, baseline like competent. Like, not- right. Because, like, would I rather have great bread or great, like, salami? Something like that. I think like we have to define top and bottom, which is to say ideal and necessary. Right. Uh, okay. So, like, what I'm going to say is. Like the contents have to meet a certain like you can get away with probably worse bread, and than you can worse co- condiments. However, if you're going for a great sandwich, if you're really like swinging for the fences there, then it's about the bread. Yeah, I think that that's if I'm getting a if I'm like getting a fancy sandwich. If I'm like I'm gonna treat myself today, I'm gonna go to a place that's like 
this place is good. The thing that separates it tends to be, and I don't even think about this rationally. I'm not like, I'm going to go to the good bread place. But when I think good sandwich, part of it is like I bite into that bread and it's just so good. It's just, it's soft or it's crisp or it's whatever that, that specific sandwich needs. It melt, it, you know, it, it blends with the, the cheese and with the, the meat and whatever else is in the veggies in such a way that like brings out the best in them. Are we all being asked this question? Yeah, this is everybody. Well, if you're asking a, a ridiculous fitness white lady about sandwiches, you know I'm going to say contents because I don't eat much bread anymore. Oh, true. Good call. Good call. You need that good iceberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need that good that And good I'm a vegetarian, so yeah. It's, it's double. Sad. It's a sad yeah. story. Patrick. I, I, don't got str- I, got, I don't got strong feelings. I got, you know, I like sandwiches, but I don't. I don't got strong preferences. You don't, you'd be like, you don't, there's not like an ideal in your mind? No. You don't like, you never had like I'll just eat a sandwich. Oh, it's Shock of the Patrick, no cold pizza, please. (laughs) Uh, Clefic doesn't have like an inspired take on sandwiches. Patrick, I buy my coffee in the biggest bulk can you can find. No, I I thought, so I I like Fleischmann's. I was at, I was at Costco and I was, you know, we've gone from like, I can get the Dunkin' Donuts big one at Costco for 18 or I can get the Kirkland's. Yeah. Big one, and it's already pre-ground because I don't want to grind that stuff up. Like it's just it's just too much work. Perish and, thought. And, Grinding and, coffee. But then also, but then also, there's like a low, and the the Kirkland a big pre-ground bag is eleven dollars. And then but then there's even you can go even lower from that, and there's a tin can one can. for eight, for eight. But I wouldn't. <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, if I do this, I then have to vocalize it, and oh, I would yeah. have to tell Rob. And I was I can't go. Like I'm drawing. The line at the $11 pre-ground bag and not the, the $8 pre-ground tin can from, from Kirk. Oh, God. Perfect. Good. Well, that's I got really upset at Costco recently because they oh. were not stocking my $17 scotch, which actually the the Kirkland liquor is actually way better than... Uh, Rob just had, had a... Not Rob a, has to go. No sign is good as when you're like <laughs> shouting at a stalker. Like, where the fuck is my $17 scotch? <laughs> Excuse me, where is your manager? Where is your manager? There was a handle. It was $17. I bought it every two weeks. A the, handle of this whiskey, $17. Makers is twice as much. And I like Makers, but I Makers is the occasional drink. The, 34 the, for whiskey? That's in criminal. This economy? You know, two buck Chuck is pretty good. God. All right. Not two bucks anymore. Patrick know. knows what it costs now. He's he, he every time he brings it up. You know you can't you can't actually call this two buck. You can't call two buck Chuck anymore. You can't. This is like this is four fifteen. This is minimum. This is nineteen. This is nineteen ninety six minimum wage get, Chuck. I yeah, minimum wage exactly. I gotta go get a minimum wage job just to pay for my Chuck. God damn. All right. On that note, on that beautiful, beautiful note, we are gonna wrap it up. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? Uh. Under the sea. Perfect. Good. Uh, Danielle. At Danielle R.I. And Patrick Klepek. Oh, this is at Patrick Klepek. Find everything Waypoint does. Twitter.com slash Waypoint. Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. And Waypoint.Vice.com. Thank you, as always, to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. And shout-outs to Kato for continuing to be our excellent producer. We will be back later this week with more some waypoints on Wednesday, which we should uh, put up what those are going to be probably uh, later today so people can have tomorrow to prep for that. Uh, And then we'll have a Friday podcast, which is also, I hear, going to be a little spooky. So that's exciting. So look forward to those. Danielle, take us out. Be good and be good at it. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.
Peace. <laughs> All right. <Boom. laughs> I actually jumped. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.